This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I am your host, Laura Lummer, and I have a fabulous show for you today. This is a really important topic, hardly ever talked about openly. I think I may have mentioned on another show, I think it was actually one that I did on sexuality, and I talked about how in my Facebook groups, now and then, someone will bring up something about sex, and it's always, most of the time, I would say, it's, I feel guilty. I'm ashamed of myself. I feel horrible for my husband. You know, there's lots of guilt, lots of shame. But there's also the sorry if it offends anyone by me talking about this. So there's clearly issues that we have around our own sexual health as as females. And and I hope this breaks down some of the barriers around that. You're going to hear from two amazing women today. And one who has, is a breast cancer survivor and has gone through treatment and suffered from vaginal dryness and atrophy. And another who is a physician assistant who works with oncology patients for these specific issues. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a minute. So it's going to be a really great show. And I just want to thank you for downloading and being here and listening. And ask if you are a regular listener and you enjoy the show or a new listener and you get a lot out of this show, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review for the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach podcast. So just that quick plug and let me tell you about the women you're going to hear from today. So we have Mrs. Lizalette Morin. She is a physician's assistant at the Miami Cancer Institute at Baptist Health in South Florida. She has worked in oncology for the last eight years. Now, when Ms. Morin decided to study to be a physician's assistant, she had to give up her job in order to attend school full-time. And as a single mother with two young teenagers, it was one of the most difficult decisions she said she has ever had to make. But she made that decision, and she attended Miami-Dade College's physician's assistant program. And I love Lizalette says that after the first week of PA school, not only did she know that she had made the correct decision, but that she had found her life's passion. And since her graduation in 2010, she's been fortunate enough to work with two excellent cardiology groups. And for the last seven years, she's worked in hematology and oncology. And now, due to her experience with cancer patients, she has a new position with the Miami Cancer Institute, and it's geared toward health prevention and post-treatment wellness of oncology, which is critical to the long-term post-treatment wellness and the optimal quality of life and survival and longevity for us. So you're going to love her. She's wonderful. And you're also going to hear from one of my wonderful ladies, an Empower Remember, a Revivify graduate, Kelly Jabosh. Kelly was diagnosed with stage 2A breast cancer in September of 2018 when she was only 43 years old. During her treatment, Kelly had a double mastectomy with axillary dissection, and she went through eight rounds of dose-dense chemotherapy and 28 rounds of radiation. 
and an exchange surgery to get silicone implants. She also had a hysterectomy and an oophorectomy because she was hormone, she had, did have hormone positive breast cancer. So Kelly says that starting with chemo, she began experiencing vaginal dryness and atrophy. And Lizalette tried to educate her on the importance of vaginal health. But Kelly says at that time, she was just too tired to do anything about it. And she wasn't really worried because her husband had been deployed and he wasn't living with her in the home at that time. And she said, quite frankly, she had an uptight Catholic upbringing and she just didn't want to talk about it. Right. Which sounds familiar. But anyway, finally, Kelly was suffering enough that she did take Lizalette's advice and start paying attention to vaginal health. And we're going to hear what Lizalette's advice is, was to Kelly, what Kelly did, and how much it has helped her. And I will also give you a list of resources after this that have been provided to me from these amazing women. And hopefully, they'll help you if this is something you need help with. So without making you wait any longer, I want you to hear from Lizalette Morin and Kelly Jabush. Ladies, welcome to the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I am really, really happy to have you here with me today talking about this very important and sensitive issue. So Thank you for having us. yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for making the time to be here. So Kelly, why don't you start off and tell us what happened with you? after your treatment, what you struggled with, and then how you came to find the guidance from Liz Allais. Okay. So I got treatment in Miami at Miami Cancer Institute. And um, after I finished my treatment, they, they um, transition you to the survivorship program, which is how I met Lisa yet. She was my um, nurse, no, um, physician's assistant. <laughs> that guided me through the um, kind of the aftermath. And um, one of the great things about, I had hormone positive um, cancer, estro estrogen and progesterone positive, HER2 negative. And um, one of the things that the doctors love about chemotherapy is that it shuts down your ovaries uh, right away, right? So they stop producing the estrogen. But of course, one of the terrible side effects of the chemotherapy is the vaginal dryness and the pain and discomfort. And so I was really experiencing a lot of discomfort there. But, you know, you're in the midst of trying to survive and you, you're the last thing you're thinking about, at least for me, the last thing I was thinking about was sexual, sexual intercourse or, um, you know, anything sexual at all. I was just right. trying to get through it. Um, and then, uh, Lisa yet told, told me, um, you know, made some suggestions about things to do to basically protect the vagina and keep it functioning. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we still giggle? We're like, oh, so the vagina, <laughs> Yeah, which involved dilators and, um, some moisturizers like reverie and vibrators. And I was just like hearing her, but not really listening to what she was saying. Cause I was like, uh, yeah, I don't even care about that anymore. Uh -huh, <laughs> and my uh -huh. husband is in the military. So my husband was deployed at that time and was going to be gone for a long while anyway. So, um, it was a big mistake to not listen to her because it doesn't get better when the chemo wears off and, you know, you, your body gets readjust to a new normal. Um, the vagina does not get better without exercise. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good point. 
So use it I, or lose it, right? It's like exactly, any other exactly. muscle in the body. <laughs> right. They say that. And I heard that a bunch of times and I just ignored it and didn't want to hear it. Uh-huh. Um, and so, I mean, I was in a lot of discomfort. It was just, it was uncomfortable showering. I would have like a stinging, burning sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, I didn't feel good. Yeah. Um, even wearing like uh, workout clothes or working out even, I would feel discomfort down there. Because mm-hmm. my vagina had just overnight, I was 43 years old when I was diagnosed and overnight my vagina aged like 20 years. Right. Uh, like, Six months after Lisa told me what to do, I went back to the file that she, all the paperwork she gave me and all the links and stuff. And I um, started taking action. Now I did get the Mona Lisa um, laser treatment. Okay. I did have three. So what that is, is a laser that um, a lot of OB-GYNs use it. And it's a laser treatment that that goes inside, they insert the laser inside your vagina and it kind of swirls around Mm -hmm. and then it also hits the, the labia area too. And it's used by women for, um, urinary Mm -hmm. incontinence. And it's also used to treat, uh, vaginal dryness and, uh, um, atrophy. Atrophy. Yes. And Um, was it uncomfortable to do that procedure? So it's not a walk in the park, but they do put a, um, they do uh, numb you. Okay. They give you a, a numbing. So it actually doesn't, it's not comfortable, but it's, it's, um, it's not terrible because okay. you, you don't really feel it. And it definitely works, but you have to maintain what it does. So, you know, you have kind of a, a week of, well, my gynecologist told me, you know, a week with no intercourse after the treatment. But then again, I wasn't having intercourse because my husband was away. So I, I, um, went to using a vibrator, which I sent you the link on the vibrator that I used. It's actually called a pelvic floor exerciser or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's called the intensity and it's like a medical grade type of device, but, um, it, it helped me a lot. And then I use the dilators. I bought a set of dilators and Lisa yet suggested to me that I insert the dilator in the morning, you know, when I'm getting in the shower. So at least I've got it in there for like 10 or 15 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my gynecologist suggested I use Reverie, which is like a hyaluronic acid sort of suppository mm-hmm. that is not um, does not have any estrogen or hormones in it Great. and it, it works really well. Okay. So, um, I use that, like I, I use one of those, like every three days. Okay. So your routine is a combination of the reverie and the dilators and the vibrator. Yeah. Yeah. For, I want to hear from you, Lisa, on what, just the background on this, on how it works and how it helps women in, you know, it, so is it, is it a chemotherapy thing or is it a menopause? Is it because of the hormone blockers and chemotherapy putting us into menopause that this happens or if, will it happen to women without it? It can happen to women without it. Just menopause itself can cause, you know, the very, the dryness and eventually the atrophy. 
but definitely it's more from the chemotherapy that you you go into a um, quick menopause or a accelerated menopause, especially like Kelly, at least 10 years away from menopause. And she went into, like she said, 20 years. Of yeah, like an overnight change. Overnight change. Mm -hmm. And some women might not have the same effect, you know, at the beginning, they might not feel that discomfort and might be later after they're using, you know, the prescription medications that they take for five years, they start mm -hmm. feeling the, the menopausal changes. Like the aromatase inhibitors and the toxin and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you bring this up to women or do women bring it up to you? We bring it up. We have a special, <laughs> we bring it up with women and men. So not only, you know, the sexual dysfunction and for men, but, you know, um, we, we ask them, you know, are you having this difficulty is, and even like Kelly, some women are older and they're not active sexually, but you still have symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, are you sure you're not having, you know, ask them, are you sure you're not having symptoms of the vaginal dryness? Because that's an interesting thing, Kelly, you said that it bothered you when you would shower, when you're working out, that it's just painful often. And I have both friends who are menopausal without ever having had cancer. And then I see in my groups and work with women who have been through breast cancer treatment. And I ask you if you, if you bring it up with women, because so many women, I, I feel like they're just so embarrassed to talk about this. And in fact, in, we have a, a Facebook group called the breast cancer recovery group. And a while ago I saw a woman post in there, Hey, I wanted to ask this question and I hope I'm not offending anybody, but have you lost your libido? And I just thought that was so interesting because it, it's such a common issue. And yet women have such a difficult time talking about it, or even to think that speaking about it would offend someone you know, when it's just a biological function, right? Mm -hmm. So do you find, uh, Lizayette, that, that it's difficult for women to follow through with this treatment? Do they feel uncomfortable using it? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. We have uh, even women with gynecological cancers, uh, mostly the older women, some of the younger women, I think like Kelly, eventually get to, to do the products and use, you know, the dilators um, or the vibrators, but it is hard for them. I guess it's just a stigma that they don't use it, you know, whatever, however they've been raised or, you know, whatever background they have, they just think that it's not natural and not the right way. Mm -hmm. And we tell them, we tell them either you're active <laughs> at least two times a week or you have to use <laughs> You know. Is that what the rule of thumb would be to be sexually active twice a week or to at least twice? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you kind of have to walk them through then? It's like, you're not just doing this just for sexual health, but for overall health and comfort, for, right? Yes. Yeah. And Kelly, you said it's something really interesting uh, in the email. We were exchanging emails and you said that you had a religious background that made you feel uncomfortable approaching this, right? Yeah, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school my whole life, went to an all-girl Catholic high school. And it just like vibrators. I was like, no, I'm not using a vibrator. Like, that's crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, you really have to exercise that 
area like a muscle. And I must say the results are pretty immediate after using the vibrator and the dilators and everything. Like I, I wish I had that, the re, that fast of, of a result from exercising. Yeah. <laughs> so it really was like night and day. I mean, once I started getting in the habit of doing it, um, and I needed to do it a lot in the beginning to get, to get back to some level of comfort. And then now I am. What, what is a lot? Like I was having to use the vibrator cause it took me a while to even get it to the point where it would insert fully. Oh, okay. So I had to use that vibrator like every day and just be patient, you know, because the first couple of times, you, you know, you're not even, you're just like, maybe you're only getting like the tip <laughs> you're uh -huh. only getting the tip in uh -huh. and you just have to kind of be patient with yourself and just keep at it. You know, every, for the first couple of weeks, I just, every night before I went to bed, I, I tried it and did it. And then, um, then I, after about two weeks, I was feeling like a different, different person, you know, every, uh -huh. I just felt way more comfortable. Um, yeah, it was definitely, I was in, it was, it was, it was pain. I mean, I even went to one doctor about like, I don't know what's going on down here. I don't know if I have something wrong and, you know, they couldn't see that there was anything wrong, but, um, you know, that, that wasn't a gynecologist. That was a general doctor, but the gynecologist, they definitely know. I mean, they, <laughs> they're doing a pap smear they're going to look in there and they're going to be like, Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. you've aged. <laughs> <laughs> you've aged. <laughs> so, right. And just even, uh, just to comment, just even with the moisturizer, like she, uh, Kelly's using the reverie, which is um, a suppository. And we have other over the counter moisturizers, which are just gels. They, it's just that they don't use it. It, I guess the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm putting something down there. It's not <laughs> not natural or whatever mm -hmm. they're they're thinking in their head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's replens, which was recommended to me, but for me, um, replens is not as good. It's definitely not as good as the Reverie. It doesn't really do much for me, actually. The replens. I mean, um, I have. Is that a vibrator? Is that what is the replens? no replens is a an insert. It's a moisturizer. It's an estrogen free moisturizer that you insert um, in your in your vagina, okay. and it's an over the counter. You can get it, you know at CVS. It's cheaper than the Reverie, but it's for me, it's not as effective. But and then the, the, well, I should add, this is pretty important in my course of treatment, I actually elected to have a prophylactic hysterectomy and ovary removal. So, okay. so my case, that might've made my case a little bit more, um, you know, this be a little bit more required because I, I elected to have that, that surgery. And is that the case, Lisa? Is that, does that make it more severe if you have- Not necessarily. No. no, I mean, it depends on the person's, you know, how your body reacts. We have some women that have just like, like I said before, like gynecological um, cancers and they've had surgery and, but not, not as much. Um, I did have an, a previous patient like Kelly that did have severe, the vaginal dryness and the pain with intercourse and just with chemotherapy. Okay. And what's the difference between a vibrator and a dilator? The dilators are different sizes. Just imagine a vibrator without the vibration. Okay. So the same um, figure, but no, no vibration. It's, and they have different sizes. 
for you to upgrade or okay. go. <laughs> so are they both are they both addressing different issues with the atrophy and the dryness, or are they kind of doing the same thing? The dilators um, mostly are are usually only um, focusing on the atrophy, just okay. like the opening that it does not close, it does not atrophy on the, the vagina. Okay. The, um, vibrators, I think do work on that a little bit, but more on the whole thing, just the, the replenishing of the tissue and helping also incontinence or anything like that, that the pelvic floor, like pelvic floor therapy. So they do help, the vibrators help with incontinence as well. Yes. I mean, there's different, maybe not the one Kelly has, but there's different um, ones for only pelvic floor. Okay. So if you're looking for one to help with incontinence, you would look for something that's pelvic, that's a pelvic floor Correct. device. Okay. Yeah. The one that I got, I kind of got what I think is sort of like the Mac daddy of, of <laughs> vibrators, or I forget even the medical term that they use it, but it's by, probably not Mac daddy, the medical no, term, that's I think. Definitely not <laughs> but it's, it's called intensity and it's by in control medical. They make it. Okay. And it's, um, it's, um, it helps with incontinence and it helps with the pelvic floor and, um, it's got, you know, it, I, I feel like, I almost feel like it's sort of like a miniature type of like the laser thing you'll kind of get like a little stinging feeling and, and you'll, that's like kind of working on the tissues in there. Okay. So, um, it wasn't cheap. I think it was like $135 to get it. Um, but to me, it's, it's been, it's been worth it. Cause it's helped, it's helped me out tremendously. And does insurance cover these kinds of devices? If you have, because it's a result of chemotherapy or medical treatment, do they ever cover that? Not to my knowledge. No, I don't even the moisturizers, nothing like that. Okay. No, cause they're all over the counter. Oh, they're okay. non-prescription. Yeah. The Reverie, my uh, gynecologist gave me his code, his discount code to get that. Um, so I think it's about 30 to $40 a month. And you Correct. get 10, 10 um, suppositories for that. And you, you know, use it like every two or three days. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's important to use the suppositories, the moisturizers, not just for intercourse, right? I think that's something we could speak to. So because people just think maybe you have to use it when you're having sex. No, exactly. Correct. No, you need it. If, if you have the vaginal dryness, you need to use it. Okay. And I will mention that you have to be your own advocate because the gynecologists, even though you tell me of estrogen positive cancer, they'll be like, oh, what are you using for estrogen? Oh, you can have a little bit of estrogen down there. And I told my gynecologist, I said, I know my oncologist would strangle you for suggesting that. So sometimes gynecologists will tell you you can have stuff that's estrogen, but if you have estrogen receptor cancer, you know, the oncologists usually say no on that stuff, or at least my oncologist said Correct. no. Yeah. So that's why I, he was going to give me an estrogen moisturizer and then he switched it to the reverie because I told him that, that, that won't work for me. So you have to be your own advocate still. You kind of, st you still have to watch out for yourself, even though you're dealing with doctors, it doesn't mean that every doctor is well-versed on what we went through, um, you know, cancer wise. So, 
Yeah, can you speak to that a little, Lisiet? Yes, and like Kelly said, um, not all of them will, will, will or will not allow the, the estrogen um, for the vaginal area because you really don't absorb as much, but we don't, we don't know how much you absorb you know, vaginally, system-wide. System but um, some do, some are okay with it, some are not. And, and most of the time, the oncologist won't talk about it. It would be, they hear it from somewhere else, either they're a gynecologist, and then they will ask the oncologist. The oncologist does not outright- <laughs> Ask about it, yeah. To, yeah, talk about it. I know my oncologist, and I know she's like pretty strict. I mean, when I was even talking to the nutritionist at MCI, she said, she gave me a list of foods that, you know, I could eat. And then I looked at it and I saw some meat and stuff. And she, and I said, oh, this is different from my doctor. And she said, oh, you have Dr. Wang. <laughs> she crossed out a bunch of other foods that I that's <laughs> funny. And not because of necessarily a hormone thing, but just overall diet that your oncologist prefers her people to be on. Yeah. You know, I, when I didn't start with the oncologist that I ended up with, I moved and had a whole lot of moving pieces going on in my life at that time, but not a lot of doctors talk about overall health, including diet and exercise and, and just like your quality of life. And I think a lot of it sometimes is because a lot of doctors, they meet resistance from patients. And so they just, it's like the path of least resistance sometimes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the specific doctor that I had, the first meeting I had with her was one, she wanted to know what my goals were after getting through this. And she also right away told me, the type of cancer you have. She gave me a little presentation on what it was linked to. And I thought that was good because, you know, it gives you a whole outlook as far as what, what you can do to reduce your risk of, you know, it coming back. Yeah. So Lisa, what, what advice could you give or would you say to women for this, in this situation where we go through breast cancer treatment and our oncologist isn't going to bring it up. And even as Kelly said, overall health, let alone talk about vaginal health, which just can be such a sensitive issue. And how do you handle that? Or what advice would you give to women? And also how do you, what advice could we give them to speak to their romantic partners with, or the person they're sleeping with about what they're doing for this therapy? Unfortunately, yes. The oncologists do not even mention any uh, side effects related to sexual function. Um, I've had other, other women that come, you know, I've seen and say, why didn't they tell me this? Why didn't they warn me mm -hmm. ahead of time? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you even get some marriages really get dissolved because of it. The, the, the patient doesn't know how to handle it. And then the, the husband, you know, doesn't know how to handle the patient, not able to handle what's going on. Yeah. And the doctors do not address it. You, like Kelly said, you have to be your own advocate in any medical situation. Mm -hmm. You have to ask questions. You have to make sure if you, and you can, I feel like you can't believe the doctors a hundred percent 
if you're still having a symptom, if you're still having an issue and they tell you, oh no, it's okay, it'll go away. <laughs> go exactly. somewhere else. Good unfortunately, advice. unfortunately, we do have some doctors like that um, that just tell you, okay, that's a side effect, you know, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Are there organizations or associations or websites or things like that for people who are dealing with sexual dysfunction as a part of cancer treatment or do we, can you find things like that on, I don't know, breastcancer.org or any, any place where they can go to, to get information or advice? There should be. I'm not sure um, if those uh, sites have, you know, in particular about any sexual dysfunction, Okay, um, but they should. I know that when I was going through treatment that I've seen, they have social workers in a lot of the oncology offices. Is this something that a social worker might be informed about if you bring up and say, you know, we're having difficulty in a marriage or in a relationship as a result of, of sexual dysfunction or uh, the vaginal atrophy. Can they help with that? They could, but I don't think the patient brings that up to them. Yeah. It's if just the, a lot of shame and fear around that whole subject, huh? Right. If the social worker does um, address the patient for any reason, we do have a you know, a set of um, forms that we, the patients fills out when they go to the office, you know, depending on a stress level, the, you know, the social worker will get, you know, a referral. This patient has this distress level mm -hmm. and they will reach out to the patient. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that the patients open up that much to the yeah. social worker. And it's not something I remember having to go in and fill out the list of questions every time you'd go in for treatment, but there's no question on there. It's like, are you experiencing vaginal atrophy or vaginal pain or anything like that? I don't think with the oncology office, only, only in our department, I think we ask. ask Do you guys ask that question in your department? Well, yes, about yeah. libido and vaginal dryness and sexual dysfunction. Yes. Okay. So obviously libido is going to be affected if you're having vaginal pain during sex, because then you're not looking forward to it. But even if you don't have the atrophy or vaginal pain, can libido still be affected as a result of treatment? Yes, it, yeah. it does get affected. And what, what is it that has that effect? Do you know? It's like mostly the, the chemo, the chemo. That, and, and younger women that you go into a menopause. Okay. So it's just the overall situation of menopause. Yes. And in older women, it just might be, I think also a more deeper menopause in the hormone levels. Mm -hmm. that they and is, is there something that can be done about that? Like, is it intertwined? If you work on the vaginal health, does that improve libido? Is it, or is it two separate, completely separate things that need treating differently? Both. It can, it can improve if you improve the vaginal, um, discomfort and the vaginal issues mm -hmm. sometimes it's not sometimes it's completely separate mm. and, and i think also depends on the relationship the patient has with their significant other mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense right it's a lot of that is in our mind when it comes to the relationship as well mm -hmm. yeah but is there treatment let's say somebody so i've read in fact it was just yesterday i was reading something on a facebook group and it was a woman saying I feel like uh, there's knives when I have sex and with my husband, so I don't want to do it. And I feel so guilty every night. I feel guilty. And is there something specific that can be 
targeted just towards libido or is that just strictly hormone and, and you got to figure it out or is there any kind of treatment for it? We do the treatment that we give and we know that it works is actually um, a medication called Wellbutrin. Mm-hmm. It is an antidepressant medication, but it oh. does improve um, in the majority of women improve the libido. Oh, interesting. Okay. But and most then- of the time, I'm sorry, they, most of the time they don't want a prescription. Really? They, I mean, they don't want to take new medications, new prescriptions. Interesting. Because they're just kind of done because of the cancer treatment. They're just like, I'm just done. I don't want to take anything else. Correct. Yeah. That's really interesting. And so with Kelly, you said you started using the dilators, the vibrators, the moisturizers after the Mona Lisa treatment? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I so- was hoping the Mona Lisa treatment would be you know, just like this magic bullet that would fix everything. Uh Um, But that's not the case. You still have to, it definitely helps. And I, in my case, I actually felt that the Mona Lisa treatment actually helped my libido a little bit too. Okay. But um, it's not a magic bullet. You still have to use the other, you know, the vibrators or like I said, my, my husband was deployed and still is. So I have to do that. I wasn't having sex. You're there with your partner, you might not have to use the vibrators and dilators because you would be having sex. So mm-hmm. maybe sustain your Mona Lisa treatment. But generally, they recommend you do three Mona Lisa treatments in mm-hmm. the first year. Oh, really? And then after, and they, you know, they sell packages and stuff like that for them. And then after that, the gynecologist kind of looks, and usually you only need like a one treatment. Um, a year after that to touch. Okay. Yeah. And is that the case, even if you're doing the upkeep and you're using the vibrators or you're having it, of course, regularly, you still need to have the Mona Lisa treatments? I think that's what they recommend. My doctor said, uh, we'll just look at and see where you're at, you know, every year and Uh if you need another treatment. He said some people never need another treatment again but generally you need to touch up every year. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I did want to add that um, there are pelvic floor physical therapists out there mm. that I'm sure a, a gynecologist could refer one to because it's not just us cancer patients and menopausal women that have issues down there. There's victims of rape or sexual assault that also have issues with intercourse and any types of things, any types of insertion. So there are physical therapists that help, obviously, people in my situation. Um, I have not been to one, but I know that there are, are, are pelvic floor physical therapists that that's that what is so interesting. Specialize in, yeah. Okay. I never have heard of that. That's yeah. awesome to know yeah. that that exists. Yeah. And a lot of the clients of those therapists are, like I said, there are women in my situation, menopausal women, but victims of sexual uh, violence are, are also um, patients of theirs. Mm-hmm. See, who knew there were so many options available or that there was so much stuff we could do to maintain vaginal health. And this was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just the point with the Mona Lisa. Unfortunately, uh, mo- some doctors don't um, request insurance coverage for that, or they say it's it's not covered and you it's out of pocket. Um, 
but you can request insurance coverage for it? Some doctors do. I don't think all. But they could. I had to pay out of pocket for it. So... You but know. it's something we could check with our insurance provider to see yeah. if they if they cover it because in that situation right it is kind of a medical I mean it's a medical procedure because you're you have pain right and you have a change in your body correct mm-hmm. I know my doctor was joking about it because he said you know men can get Viagra covered <laughs> good point so. what's that Taylor Swift song if I were a man there's just yeah. another thing to add to it if I were a man my vaginal health would be covered <laughs> right um you know there's so many things out there um I I mentioned that intimaterose.com which is where I got my vibe by my not my vibrators the the dilators mm-hmm. they're silicone dilators uh-huh. but they have little miniature little, little tiny Kegel weights. I mean, there's just so much stuff. It, it, to me being an uptight, ignorant person about (laughs) vaginal health, when I started going down and exploring these different sites and everything, I found there's just a whole world out there of tools and, and things that, that you can use to feel better. The secret world that no one talks about. It's like, how are all these businesses out there? We never hear about these tools. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, right. thank you, Kelly, because I'm going to use some of those sites. I didn't know uh, some of those sites either, but I'm going to be able to pass it on to other women. Yeah, there's a need for this stuff. And um, thank God for the internet and and mm-hmm. people out there that, that do this. In fact, I think the lady who's on that website or who put that website together, she's a pelvic floor physical therapist. And so Mm. she created all these resources and tools. So, well, it's such an important topic. And, and that's the thing because it's so not talked about and it's so common, you know, and I'll never forget. I was, I think it was just you and I were coaching and, and Kelly's like, I have to share something with you. I'm so happy. And she started telling me about all the advice that you had given her for vaginal health. And she's like, this is what I've been doing. This is what I've been using. And I'm for the first time feeling comfortable and I, my vagina feels better. I'm like, this is awesome. We need to talk about this. And she's like, we do need to talk about it. We need to talk. She's like, I'll go on a podcast and talk about vaginas anytime. <laughs> you know, like I said, when you're, when it's really important and when you're going through treatment or getting done with treatment, I mean, at least in my case, the last thing I wanted to think about was sex or anything, you know, you just feel horrible. You don't look great. And you just want to, I don't know, live another day, but not really do much other than in my case, just like sit in front of the TV and just veg out. So, yeah. so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think everybody comes to it at their own, uh, at their own pace when they're ready to tackle that issue like I said, it, it took me a while to come around to that, but I was glad that Lisa yet had given me the information and talked to me about it. And I wish I heeded her advice sooner than I did, but at least I had the information. And when I was ready, I did go back to it and, and use it and take action. And I just, you know, I feel like, I feel like a totally different person. Like when I use that vibrator the next day, I'm like, man, I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love, I love that we're bringing it out into the open and that we can say, you know, this is a part of health and wellness, part of a recovery. And as we know, something that women struggle so much with is 
feeling normal or getting back to life, you know, afterwards. And if it has such a big impact on our sexual health, our romantic interactions, that it can cause a lot of, well, like you were saying that it can cause breaks up, break up in marriages. And I see people posting about things like that, that my marriage is on the rocks and also just feeling good about yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of our femininity feels like it gets taken away from us in breast cancer treatment. And that's just another aspect. Do you find, um, Lisa, that when, when people follow this advice, do you have a lot of women that come back to you and they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like Kelly. 50-50. I mean, because some of them do not do it. Um, or the majority do not, are not proactive. It is, it is like exercise and diet. You have to work at it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some of them, they start, they might do just a vaginal moisturizers. They're not proactive as Kelly was. She went all out and <laughs> went She's to like, I'm all in on this. <laughs> vibrators. And, and we speak, we tell them about the Mona Lisa also. But un- unfortunately, like I said, some gynecologists, you know, only char- charge only cash for that. They don't even bother with the insurance mm-hmm. companies to try to get that covered. And, and is it a gynecologist that does the Mona Lisa procedure? Yes. That's where you go? Yeah. Gynecologists have it, but also I know one of your other podcasts, you had the, the, the contact from the med spa and yeah. she sounds like she does it there too. So I think some med spas do it. And I know, I know, I know I look for gynecologists that have that machine in their, in their office. You know, when okay. I moved, I was like, let me make sure that he's got this. And it'd be close to a gynecologist with the uh, Mona Lisa machine. The gynecological oncologist that did my surgery, my hysterectomy, he had it at his office. So, so yeah. Is, is this as big of a problem in women with triple negative breast cancer? Not as much, actually. Really? I think it's uh, much less. Or we, they don't treat them with the same kind of hormone therapy. Correct. They don't get hormone therapy treatment. that with hormone positive get treated. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, even the, even if, if I never, if I was just going through menopause and I went to my, my doc, my gynecologist, he would, he would still be asking what I was using for estrogen. Right. You know, cause a lot of women take that hormone replacement therapy for mm-hmm. a couple of years obviously that's a no-no for anybody with estrogen positive breast cancer, right. but so many women who did, never had cancer, they're going to go through, they're going to take that maybe at some point if their doctor prescribes it. True. So, so we don't have that, you know, we don't have that option. Mm-hmm. Um, so really the only option for someone like me is the laser or, you know, and, or the, the exercises that, that I'm doing. That's, that's pretty much it. But, you know, all I can say is it works when you do it. It Mm -hmm. really makes a huge difference. Well, I think that's so important that you brought up the maintenance program, because I would never have thought that. And I've heard of the Mona Lisa before as well. And I've heard women ask about it, but I also would have thought it's a one and done. Like you just go get it done and that's it. And then you get your results from it. But I wouldn't realize that you had to that it's a process you need to keep repeating and that you need to be using things in between in order to, to keep your vaginal health yeah. up to par. And someday there might be a magic bullet for us. Like, you know, the Mona Lisa maybe will last forever or something, but <laughs> until then, um, you know, at least there's, there's 
doing the vibrators and the dilators. But, I, and I, and I do say for any women out there, like it wasn't just right away. I was able to function with that. It took work and I had to, I had to go easy on myself and just calm down and, and just be like, you know what? I can't get it in right now. So mm -hmm. just, but let me just keep at it little by little night after night. And, you know, after, after one or two weeks, I was feeling accomplished, like, okay, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to life. That's a great, I, I love that. And I hope that that helps women think about it in different lights so they don't feel uncomfortable, you know, getting to know their own body and understand that it's a part of overall health mm -hmm. and looking at it like that. Like I know how dedicated you are on doing things to support your health, Kelly. And so I think it's, it's important for women to look at it from that aspect. Like this is my health and health is, there's just so many different aspects to it, you know, and this is definitely an important one. Yeah. The one thing I, I actually have a question for Alicia. Um, um, you know, I make the comment all the time that we still have to live in the environment that we are in um, because there's a lot of bad stuff in the environment that I think, you know, impacts cancer like uh, lubricants and things like that. So a lot of the lubricants will have ingredients in them that can act that can be parabens and act as estrogens when the body absorbs them. Do you have any that you recommend that do not, that are safe or safer than, you know, like the KY and that kind of stuff? Yeah, th so those are KY and Replens has one also that is just the water-based um, moisture uh, lubricants. Okay. And the Reverie Company does not have a lubricant. Yeah, it would be great if they had one. Okay. What's the difference from the lubricant to a moisturizer? So the lubricant is used for sexual activity, during activity. The moisturizer is the treatment. Is the treatment. And would a moisturizer serve as a lubricant or not? It can, but it can, it, it can help a little bit. But, but a lubricant cannot serve as a moisturizer? No. Okay. <laughs> so for, cause so for people who might think, well, I have KY jelly or I have a lubricant and I use that on a daily basis or something, it wouldn't be the same effect as a moisturizer. Correct. Yeah. No. Good to know. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have a lot of healthier vaginas out there after this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so. so much for making the time to be here. Well, I really for doing this podcast. I, I hope, I think a lot of women will benefit from it. You know, it's I one think of so too. That we don't talk that much about, but you definitely want to be comfortable. Even if you're, you're not having sex and don't intend to ever have sex again, you want to feel good. You want to be able to exercise and not have that, you know, irritating feeling in, yeah. in, in the <laughs> area. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's because that's what it's about when it comes down to, it, it's about us and our personal health right? Yeah. You're not doing it just for someone else. You're doing it for yourself to feel right. good about yourself and right. to have comfort. So you're not experiencing physical discomfort. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I know this is really going to benefit a lot of women. So I really appreciate all your information and your time. Thank you. Yeah, you. Of course. All right. That was a lot of great information. And your biggest question is probably, where do I find the websites? Where do I find the products? And so I'll make sure and include the links to all this in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at thebreastcancerrecoverycoach.com forward slash 112. 
So I really hope you got a lot out of this show. If it's something that you suffer with, vaginal atrophy, dryness, that the, and the pain from it, and the mental anguish and the emotional anguish from it, I really, really hope you got some useful information from this show and something that'll help you, I don't know, be able to have a healthier body and a healthier, happier life. So thanks again for tuning in, and I will look forward to talking with you again next week. Until then, be good to yourself and expect other people to be good to you as well. Tame the voices in your head. You've put your courage to the test. Laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before. Your heart is full and wanting more. Your future's at the door. Give it all you got, no hesitating, you've been waiting all your life, this is your moment.